it's like like that so back when we could use the two bikes like i remember we were at daytona one year on the 450 and uh daytona is this little small slick short track and uh in the main event we went in the first corner and i i wadded it up and i, I ripped the exhaust off it or something so then uh my 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 mechanic and my buddy they you know they ran got the backup bike brought it out to me and this is back when it was a it was a carbureted bike it was a, an 08 honda 450 yeah. and uh, i go do the start and i go to the first corner and then like the thing quit on me and uh i reached down and they they never turned the gas on you know the the, the pet cock so i mean yeah. right in the main event everyone rides by me and i'm in last and i reached down turned the pet cock on bumped it back off and <laughs> took off so it, well, uh, you had the presence of mind to to think about that during a main event while you're racing, yeah. you know. Yeah, and it's funny you know, too because like yeah. <laughs> back when I rode that bike, it was always like I was like, like you know weird about it. I was I would always check to make sure the gas was on. So yes. maybe that maybe that was it. So, uh, so tell me, how's your day going? What's new with you? And tell me about a little bit about your backstory, so you give everybody a uh, a little bit about you. It's going good. I had a uh, cold, miserable, wet day at work today, but uh, other than that, though, all good. So just uh, you know, we wrapped up the season last week in Daytona, so it's yeah. kind of been it's been nice to kind of have like our first because we went like eight weeks nonstop or something, or it felt like eight weeks. So it's kind of nice just to kind of have a week where I'm not like thrashing and trying to get get bikes ready or driving across the country to go to another race. So yeah, or nice hopefully uh, not recovering from any injuries. You know, with that back to back week after week after week, you don't get a lot of time to recover from a little off or even just soreness. Yeah, I was lucky enough though this year. I really didn't hit the ground too many times, and uh, if it was, it was just through the week on a moto bike or something, just playing around. So, uh, but racing wise, I. Uh, I stayed on two wheels the whole season, which was which was a plus. That's great. And you're in American Flat Track, and what class is that again? Oh, uh, the Production Twin class. And how do you like those bikes? Is that different than what you were riding before? Um, I rode singles the past few years, and it's just uh, I don't know the the singles class. It's you know it's like right now it's like it's the best racing in, in flat track pretty much, because I mean all the bikes you know they're all um, you know production motocross 450s. And it's like no one can really get away from each other. They're all like exactly the same. And I mean, I know in like the moto world, people complain about like, oh, the Suzuki's slow and the KTM is light and blah, blah, blah. But like when you get out on the flat track, everyone's the exact same. I mean, everyone builds the motors. Everyone's got big horsepower. They're all, you know, they all handle pretty much the same for the most part. So it's like it's really hard for people to get like away from each other on the racetrack and stuff. And like when those dudes qualify, it's like first through 20, that's like, you know, two, three tenths almost. Right, yeah. So Very we're cool like, see. yeah, oh, it, it's awesome racing. It's just, I just, I don't want to be out there doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, with the production twin though, this is, it's been kind of a fairly new thing that AFT just started just been the past two years. And, uh, you know, they call it production twin, but honestly, like our bikes, you know, we're the most custom like hand-built bikes out there because, um, you know, like the super twin class, they call it now, everything they ride, it's all, you know, basically Indians that you buy right from Indian motorcycle and they're a done race bike that you buy. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, Harley's got a few of the XG 750s that those are also, you know, they're a factory in-house made race bike. So with us though, I mean, we, we like, we really take a, uh, a street bike motor, like, uh, you know, like I ride the Yamaha FC07. A lot of guys ride Kawasaki, like Ninja 650s. Um, there's a few factory Harleys out there, which are really cool. Um, so you can run an SV650. Um, 
yeah, I mean, there, I'm sure there's oh, KTM, the new uh, 790 Duke. There's not one of those out there yet, but there's a lot of rumors of people gonna gonna get one out. Yeah. So uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of options. Like we, you know, we probably have the most like you know diverse brand wise out of all the three classes. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, basically, you know, we we just steal the motor out of them and they go right into custom built race chassis. Everything's got to be hand built, you know, machined, welded, fabricated, yeah. and we uh, we put bikes together and go race them. So. so straight from the showroom to the racetrack. There's no street time involved usually. No, and usually not. Well, that's like me. Like I, I don't even start with a, an FZ07. I, I buy the motor right from Yamaha, and then I put you know the brand new unstarted motor. We, yeah. you know, we tear it right apart. We, you know, bore it, put pistons in it. We do the whole deal, and it goes right into a race frame. So yeah. those things, uh, they never even get a chance to see the asphalt before I get a hold of them. Now, are you doing a lot of the mechanical work yourself, or do you got a crew around you that does most of the engine work, or how does that work for you? Yeah, so really, it's just me and my uh, my older brother. He's really involved in the in my race program, and we, uh, I mean, yeah, we do everything ourselves. You know, we get we get a bare frame, um, just you know, raw metal. With, you know, we weld some tabs on it right from the frame company, and that even that guy, he's just a small guy in his garage, who you know he's got a jig and a, and he welds them up, and he's been doing it a long time. He's very good at what he does. Um, but yeah, we get a bare frame, and then like I said, the Yamahas or the motors come right from Yamaha. We take them, we do all the, the assembly ourselves, but some of the stuff like Vance and Heinz, they help us out a ton with doing like some CNC work on the heads. Uh, they build the exhaust for us. And then uh, other than that though, we get a big pile of parts and we assemble and fab and just kind of, you know, we make a race bike out of it. Yeah, it's all nuts and bolts in the end. It, it seems really daunting and scary when you never put one together before, but you just mm -hmm. time and piece by piece, it just comes together. And you also have a crew with you too that helps. Yeah, not really. I mean, when I go to the races, it's just, uh, it's like, like we went to Daytona, funny story, like my van, I had a, I had an issue with my van on the way home from, um, what was it? It would have been Atlanta, like a few rounds before. So I took it to the, like the trans was kind of messing up. It wouldn't go into reverse, blah, blah, blah. So then for one round, I borrowed a van from, you know, a guy around town, went to the race yeah. and then the dealer was telling me, oh yeah, you know, van will be done. No big deal. Like it, it'll be fine. So it's, uh, it's like the Wednesday before Daytona and we race on Friday and, and my van wasn't done. Yeah. So I'm like scrambling, you know? So I ended up, I threw a bike in the back of a pickup truck and grabbed my girlfriend and we took off for Daytona. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was, it, it was bare minimum, you know, just I had my pop-up, my bike and my toolbox pretty much, but it, yeah. uh, it all worked out at, you know, I podium both days, which was awesome. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, that's kind of the one thing I, the one thing I kind of lacked that, yeah, I wish I had was an actual like a solid like the team part of it behind me, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I get it done. I I do what I got to do sometimes. But it uh, it definitely would be awesome to have you know a group of three or four guys fully dedicated to to go to the race every weekend with me. Sure. And so you'd say uh, from hearing that, I would assume you're not a, a factory rider yet. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, and how much do you think that would alone just help you out as far as you don't have to worry about as much? You just show up with a plane ticket and just show up and race, you know? And yeah, like, it's really not like my bikes are really good. Like my whole, like my equipment and everything, like, it's already really good. So it's not really that that I'm lacking, but it's just the whole, uh, it's just like the whole, like the team atmosphere, you know, or just having someone that's, that's with you at every round and just like the same mechanic, the same, you know, let's, let's say like a rider coach or something. Yeah. I think that's where those like, where like the big teams and stuff where that's, that really makes things easier too. And even yeah. like through, through the week, like, you know, like I, I work in the summertime, you know, like I work for my dad. So he, he's really cool. He, you know, gives me time off to go racing and stuff. 
but like it's you know i work all day then i gotta work on bikes all night and then yeah you know when we're like mid-season back-to-back races it's you know 10 11 o'clock at night i'm still working on the bikes and <laughs> trying you know what i mean trying to get ready right. so stuff yeah. like that would definitely be a lot easier but like in my case it's cool because like i have i have full control of everything you know if i want to change something i do it or if i don't like a little something i, I can do it where I know a lot of guys, they get on the big team and like the big contracts and everything when they're stuck with something like they're stuck with it. So yeah. it's uh, I think there's goods and bads for sure, but it, uh, it definitely would make things a, a whole lot easier on me just flying in and <laughs> yeah. finding with a gear bag and riding. So it's, it sounds like a nice idea, but I think you maybe sometimes learn more if you do it all yourself, if you, at least at the beginning, maybe not forever, but mm-hmm. once you learn what it takes to set up the canopies to unload the trailer you know to put the bikes on the stands and put them out yeah. i don't even know if you guys use tire warmers in flat track to be honest but uh, sometimes, sometimes sometimes yeah um and would you say that you are on your ideal bike is that the yamaha the bike to be on you know it's it is i mean i think it's the so like I know like you had like James Rispoli on a few yeah. podcasts ago. I, I just listened to part of that before this. So like he rides, you know, the, the Harley. And the thing about the Harley is like when you it's it's a little it's pricey, you know, it's it's a lot more expensive than to build a Yamaha. But like when you get the Harley, it's done, it's there, it's it's made to go around in a circle, you know. Yeah. It's that they have a few little issues where like I know they were blowing up a lot of motors and stuff, but like it's just the platform is just so solid and it's just a lot more like user friendly, I guess where like at some certain tracks like we go to like like big slippery like clay half miles that thing it's just it like it it wants to do that you know where the yamahas it's like we're like the yamahas they're parallel twins and it's just the way the harley the v-twin puts the power down and it's just like uh i i i just think sometimes it might be a little bit easier if we had that v-twin power you know yeah. And uh, I think next year you're, you're going to see a lot of guys on those Harleys because like James dominated this year. But I mean, yeah. he not every round he got beat, you know, by a Yamaha or, you know, me, Corey, Texer, he was on a Yamaha and then uh, Varnes on a Cowie. So, you know, the, the jet bikes can, can still do it, the parallel twins, but it's just at some places, I think it's a little bit harder to do yeah. to, uh, to beat that, that smooth V-twin power of the Harley. And that's what I think is really interesting about racing in general. Any series is you go to different tracks and different manufacturers excel over, over some others that used to dominate. So mm-hmm. it's not always uh, about what bike you're on. It's sometimes what track you're at with the bike that you have. Yeah. And that's what's funny. So like Vance and Hines, the, dude, the guys that build the XG750, the Har- they run that whole Harley program. Like I said, they do all like my CNC port work and everything, and they they build my exhaust and you know I dyno actually right at their race shop, so they uh, you know they know my exact horsepower number compared to what their XG is and everything, yeah. and they uh, toward the end of the year when you know I went in one eighty mile and then we were doing some dyno afterwards and they uh, you know they just even told me they're like man like you know you're a few horse down from that Harley so that's that's pretty <laughs> cool what you're doing, yeah. but uh, but like you said I think it's just the whole the whole dynamic and just how some tracks come to some bikes and just one thing might be better one day and one thing better the other day. But the, uh, I think with the Harley though, it's just a little bit overall, just a, you know, a little bit more user friendly, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not like the Yamaha and the Cowies can't go win. I mean, cause they do, but uh, yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if I could have, you know, a Harley and a Yamaha, that'd probably be the, uh, the best thing. Right. on like skis, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I've never been on a flat track in my life. It is definitely something that's uh, perked my interest or piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I hear guys like James Rispoli excelling and you've got Hayden Gillum or, you know, there's a lot of road racers who make the transition to the flat track and then yep. JD Beach. Yeah. Yeah. JD yeah. Beach is, is a big one. And, you know, he's a guy who's won at the top level of flat track and road racing, which is mm-hmm. something that Nikki Hayden has, has done as well. Um, and you just don't see that very often. You see even guys like uh, Jake Gagne go from motocross and superbikes, but but not flat track that I know of. Um, mm-hmm. Cool to see the, the the different disciplines being used. Is there any other discipline that you would uh, foresee yourself going into, or at least practicing in? Um, not. I mean, I, I ride moto like in the summer, you know, twice a yeah. week almost, just for like training to stay in shape. But I mean, I'm not like I'm not that fast, you know. I, yeah. I can hold my own, and I'm like I'm not a squid, but I, I would definitely never go like race a class or anything, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd love to, you know, go road race and I went, I went to a few track days and stuff and, you know, drug the knee and everything, but I think that'd be cool to actually, you know, you know, get a bike and focus on it for a little bit and kind of see how that goes. But uh, again, I feel like that's just, um, I feel like if you're going road racing, you know, you, you got to go road racing, you got to focus on it. You yeah. really got to be dedicated and, uh, you know, just like anything though. Sure. So, but yeah, like you said though, about the, the road racers crossing over, it's funny too, like when, uh like on the we call them tt tracks they have a right turn and a jump like in qualifying i remember one year like i was following gillum at at this one little tt track that was really kind of tight and turning and he was doing lines that i was like man like i, I never even thought of that you know but yeah. i think that that was just like the road race background crossing over just line selection and stuff like that so i think it definitely does help those guys too um just kind of learning just like like the line selection and the roll speed and the corners and the your front brake too i'm sure that's huge oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, line selection is is everything in, in a road race bike. Um, I mean, maybe not everything, but it's it's very big. Um, and you see, like, the differences in motocross. There's not a whole lot of lines in motocross. It's rutted out. Sometimes it's a high line or a low line. You can't really make your own yeah. line. And yeah. uh, that always – I don't race motocross either, but I'd love to uh, to do that as training as well. Um, but it's like it, – it just seems so different to me. It's like I would uh, – like to take this line but you just you just can't it's different and then flat track mm-hmm. you know there might be a high line or a low line but the tts yeah you you definitely see there's more opportunities out there um, yeah for sure that, that jump aspect of it does that scare you at all is that nerve-wracking sometimes how does that no they're they're, they're never big jumps i mean yeah. peoria pure is like the that's like like the big daddy of all the tts we go to yeah you know they changed it now but a few years ago yeah it was pretty much you know whoever could sky the thing off the jump and it was like you know it was over 100 foot yeah the, the it's jump not little yeah but i mean it's not a, it wasn't like a double it was pretty much just a lip the but you were turning going off the lip that's what, what made it scary and yeah. then you just kind of land on this big downhill thing but no like like the tts we go to now they're usually just like kind of just like a, a bump kind of and then you you flat land really hard and aggressively and uh, yeah it's that kind of sucks about it but yeah um it would be cool though to show up one day and actually have like a you know like a tabletop or something where you could actually jump because right now like we honestly just it's like you you jump and just flat land pretty much <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah especially on the big bikes too I, i've been uh like on the twins you know they're 300 and you know 310 320 pounds with like no yeah. suspension and they jump those things and it's just it's brutal watching them sometimes are you bottoming out when you hit uh no we got them stiffened up enough where you're not going to bottom anything out but yeah. uh like i we went to uh i rode one last year and i uh i broke the foot pegs off when i landed wow. just because i know just the impact the force yeah yeah 
It's a lot of force. Yeah, it's, it's a fun sport. So what got you into flat track versus baseball or something? Uh, I don't know. Just something like, you know, the whole family did. Like, I know you work with my Uncle Rob, for example. He uh, he did it when he was younger, you know. He had a pro license. He, he okay. you know, traveled around, did the whole deal a little bit. And then, uh, so that's my mom's brother. Then on my dad's side, too, you know, they all raced flat track. None of them really went pro or anything, but uh, it was kind of just like, you know, that's everyone did it. It was just a fun thing to do on the weekends. My older brother, he did it for a while. He had a pro license. Um, didn't really go to too many races or, you know, excel too much, but it was just kind of a thing that everyone did in my family. So, you know, when I was little and when I was riding, went to a few flat track races and did pretty good and it stuck and it just uh, kind of consuming ever since then. And you probably started on a 50 when you were five years old. Yeah, I, I really didn't race until I was on 80s, but like I rode since I was little. Like I had like the PW just like everybody else and I did the yeah. whole thing. But uh, yeah, it wasn't really until I was, I was probably like, I don't know, 10-ish maybe on the 80s that we really started going to races and kind of getting, getting into a little bit more. And uh, I don't know, I think that was almost a good thing because I see like a lot of my, like my childhood friends and stuff that raced, like, you know, they had like the 50 dads that like forced yeah. them to race and were like, you know, into it. And I feel like they get burnt out by the time you're older and you get on the big bikes and everything. Yeah. So, it was, you know, it's kind of nice to kind of, you know, not be burnt out and still have the drive to do it and everything and just, uh, you know, not to not look back and you know yeah I just see like a lot of the dads at the races and the kids just yelling and screaming at each other and everything yeah. so you know it's, it's nice to fun, you know? yeah it's nice to not go through that I guess so yeah and I come from like uh kind of the opposite background uh my family did not want me to race at all nobody in the family races nobody knows anybody who races that kind mm -hmm. of there's no knowledge of it at all I'd see it on tv it's like oh I like that I don't know how to get into it at all yeah. next step would be so it was a long time before I ever got got into racing and um, it, it took me until uh, I got arrested for speeding before I really started getting serious about the racetrack mm -hmm. and road racing like is a if you were like a let's say like a kid and you wanted to road race like what do you do is there like it's it's difficult I don't know the right answer to that but um, buy a small a small 125 cc or a 250 um, mm -hmm. or if you're even younger than that you could do like uh the old valleys are really yeah. now i've seen those uh, those are great for training but even like i would recommend a 50 or 125 like i said or 100 cc dirt bike even and do go to cart tracks would be a yeah. good way to get your foot uh you know wet and try it out but it's a it's a big barrier of entry for the sport because it's so expensive um so Maybe bicycles. Try to get in uh, yeah. bikes, and if you like that, then you can make it up. You know, really, I've been flat track too. That's the that's probably the place to go as yeah. a kid, and you know, on little bikes. And then, sure. uh, I mean, I could name you know ten of them. You know, between JD, you know, Jake Lewis, Nick McFadden, Gillum, yeah. uh, Dallas Daniels, who just won the 450 championship. He was a pretty big road racer. He rode the what the what's the the little the 300. He was on a KTM 390, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I know he rode a Cowie for a little bit, but yeah, he was big in the Moto America thing for a while. So, yeah, you know, I feel like that is a good segue to, to get road racing. I'd say so. Um, yeah, it's something I like to try. I don't, I don't know of a flat track around me. I have to check my, uh, the maps around me, but um, I wouldn't even know where to ride it. I'd have, yeah. you have to look into it and research just like anything, but. And that's the thing that kind of sucks is like the whole, even like the, like Michigan district 14, the amateur yeah. flat track thing, it, it sucks. I mean, there's really, it's kind of like when I was a kid, like District 14 flat track, like we'd show up to the race and there'd be 
you know, 15, 20, 80s and every, and like people were serious about it. And like, you know, all the kids were friends and we, you know, we raced each other hard and everything. Now it's just like, it's just, it, it kind of fell apart. Like, I don't know if it's just the, there's not that many kids, you know, coming up or doing it, but you know, like just the, uh, the amateur races, they're just, they're not what they're used to be. And there's not that many of them. We used to have a lot of, a lot of like different tracks. We'd have like the short track, the TTs, the half miles, all this stuff. Now it's like the, they go to, you know, the same two short tracks, 20 times a year and then that's it so yeah it kind of sucks but like on the flip side of that it's it seems like that the local race is really kind of toned down but then there's these big huge amateur races around the country yeah. too and uh, it's cool to see that because it's like everyone from everywhere shows up to those and races each other yeah then you see so, what the uh, talent level really is and where you have to be to beat these guys yeah exactly for sure now do you still do any amateur racing and you're for training or is it all just uh 100 pro right now uh, I don't like in the if there's like um like Lucky Thumb Motorcycle Club they're up in in the Thumb area Deford once in a while they'll have like a kind of like a money race you know and a lot of the pros show up to that just to try to make some money and stuff and yeah um like I, I'll go to like one or two of those but no for the most part like in the summer I'm so busy going to the races and you know riding working on the bikes training and stuff I uh I really I really don't have a lot of time to do that but like in the winter time too like um there's a lot of like um, like those big amateur races like I was talking about like in Florida and uh, like Georgia South Carolina and then, like all the pros show up to them in the winter because that's that's really all that's going on and you know yeah. the national series isn't going on so that's like the place to be in the winter time so I, th like, I think the next one is uh, like right over Thanksgiving there's like a big three-day race in South Carolina that everyone's going to show up to so okay. that'll be uh, that'll be the place yeah I've been uh, trying to get AFT more on my radar now that I'm interviewing some of the racers who are in it uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to see. And, um, man, I just love watching racing and following it and, and seeing the, the characters progress. And I uh, saw so you got a couple podiums this year. It's just great yep. to see that. And yeah, as you mentioned, it's such a small world. I was uh, talking to Rob, he was replacing, uh, replacing something in the, in the office the other day. I was like, Hey, uh, hey, you got that, uh, your nephew's number. I want to talk to him a little bit. Yeah. yeah that'd be a great idea. Um, and you know, it's just, uh, it's great to connect. Yeah, for sure. It, uh, and that's like just what James says, you know, like, like racing, it's just kind of one of those things that just brings people together, you know, something to talk about or, you know, like even like, like uh, especially flat track being so somewhat small, you know, like you could say anybody at the flat track race and I'd probably say, oh, yeah, like I, I know that guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's really cool. And even like the pro thing, like in the whole, in like the pits, everybody knows everybody. Like there is just no like stragglers kind of. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's really cool for sure. And uh, how do track days work? Do they do track days for practice time at flat tracks? No, not really. I mean, it's there might racing? be like a, there might be like a local track that'll have like a, like a, like a practice day, I guess you can go ride, but in like around us, there's nothing like that really. Yeah. But uh, just this year too, like, I don't know if it was just with the whole, like our, our messed up schedule from the COVID and everything, but they would have like an open test day the day before the race. Okay. But, but it, I mean, you'd have to pay to do it. It wasn't just like a come out and ride thing. <laughs> sure. So, uh, but I mean, which was cool. Cause like if we were going to a new track, you could show up and have, you know, eight sessions of testing before the race the next day. Which is so uh, valuable. I mean, it's just crazy to me coming from the road racing side of things that you guys will do four laps for practice and call that practice. Yeah. Um, that I mean, and your and your lap is like a quarter mile or a half mile. It's very very short. You're doing maybe two miles out there and coming in. You know, mm -hmm. lap for us is two miles, and we do a 15 20 minute session. 
So you're, yeah. you know, several laps and, and you really get to feel the bike. Does, does four laps feel like enough time? Yeah, well, I mean, like, the thing is, too, is, like, the, the, the track changes so much in between sessions. Like, you're only going to get so much. Like, you can go out for, like, if we go out for practice sometimes and, like, the, it's overwatered or it's, you know, let's say, like, really, like, uh, unprepped or something, we'll come back in, like, we, like, won't even look at the lap times because, like, yeah. you know it's just, it's going to change so much. So, um, I mean, yeah, though, and I think, like, our qualifying, they moved it to six laps, too. So, for the most part, too, like, everyone in qualifying, they put their fast lap and lap, like, two or three. So it's yeah. not like, you know, if we were out there for 10 minutes, you know, someone was going to lay down a heater on like, you know, lap 50. It's just, uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much enough. And the races is cool. Cause like the track does change like throughout, like a, like our main events are timed this year. So on the big tracks, it was like, I don't know, 10 minutes plus two laps. And in that 10 minutes, yeah, the track does change huge. Like our, you know, we're like half a second different lap times, which, yeah. which it's significant. Is, oh yeah. It's huge for us. So, uh, it's cool too because like you know you can find something or the track comes in really good or something yeah. but uh yeah in practice and qualifying i mean you don't if you don't get it done in six laps it's probably not going to happen yeah so. and you guys i would assume don't have uh, a ton of tire wear but you're still changing tires every weekend no we do like we go to some places like uh like volusia it's like a really abrasive banked uh it's like a world of outlaw sprint car track okay so it's like really really like abrasive clay but you know i we could wear a tire out in a main event there oh, okay. you know yeah, yeah. so there and, and, and a brand new tire isn't necessarily the best thing to have either the tires kind of work better on those kind of tracks once they get a little worn in and the edges kind of wore off of them and you're a little bit down more on the rubber okay. so there is kind of a you know a, you know it's kind of a thing where you want to go out on a, a good scuffed in tire but you want to make sure the tire lasts the whole race yeah so it's so like a place like that you know we'll we'll change tires quite a bit and then uh, like we go to like a place that like we call them cushions like horse tracks that are a little bit deeper and like not clay like more of like a pea gravel or like a sandy base and there i mean we, we want the brand new edge every time you go out so the tire can dig yeah. so there you know we'll have you know two or three wheels with new tires on them and we'll, we'll make sure we keep a fresh edge on it is it just the rear or the fronts too um no, I, I get like the the deep, like the looser, the cushion tracks. The fronts really don't wear out that much. Um, like you know, you can go the whole, you can go two races probably on a front tire. Yeah. Um, on the grooves though, or like even like the miles, like the big fast tracks where like you're really hooked up, then you start to notice the front tires start to roll off a little bit. Yeah. But uh, but no, pretty much we can always go at least a whole day on a front. Yeah. You know, like I've never had to change a front tire midday. So, <laughs> yeah. But, you uh, know, I just met someone, sorry to interrupt. I just met someone who, who just found out that the front wheel is not a drive wheel. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. So yeah, people are at different learning stages all, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, and so, uh, you said you do a little bit of motocross training two times a week. You're on the. Yep. Uh, I try. I mean, you know, it's not. I can't always go out, get off work, and ride twice a week. But ideally, <laughs> yeah. though, that's my my schedule. Yep. So, and so. Uh, is there any other kind of training you do? You do uh, cardio or weight training or anything? Yeah. In the winter, like I, I like to, I row a lot. I get on a little program, and I like to, you know, keep up on that. Um, I do a spin class in the winter time. And then, uh, then in the summer, I, I, I mountain bike a little bit, not as much as I probably would like to or I should. And then um, I'll go on like a little run once in a while. But really, I mean, that's, that's it. I don't have like a big serious training program or anything. Like, you know, I'd love to, but it's just with my little program, my little time I got, that's kind of, that's what I fit in. So it's all you can do, man. Just do what you can do. Exactly. Um, you know, sometimes I think 
um, I'm not racing right now, my motorsports, but I am doing um, some mountain bike races and, and foot races just for uh, staying competitive in the meantime as way mm -hmm. turns out. Um, but uh, sometimes I think, I wonder if all this mountain biking and cycling is really going to help me that much. I mean, I know it will help for endurance and cardio and all that, but it's like, I think it'd be better if I had more, more throttle in my hand, right? If, if you have that throttle control um, in your right grip, then maybe it's more beneficial than being than 2000 miles a year on a, on a bicycle. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, you know, I think the same thing. And like, there's dudes like even in our sport that, you know, they train nonstop and they're really serious about it. And I feel like at the end of the day, it's really just a mental thing. You know, like if you know and you think that, you know, you're the baddest dude out there, you're going to go out and do it, you know? Yeah. Where if you're off the couch, you might be a little, you know, you might doubt something or something. Sure. But, uh, you know, for us, I mean, it's flat tracks, definitely, you know, it's a physical sport. You know, we're definitely out there throwing things around, but compared to like moto it's it's not that big a deal you know i don't know how road racing is i've really never you know known a road race back that hard um but is it the same thing like that or what do you think um when, when i did uh when i did my racing i would do up to six races a weekend okay i would race both c's both b's and both a's so 600 750s and 1000 super super stock and super bike mm -hmm. on a 600 stock so I would race up classes, up five different classes, in addition to the class that I was in. Um, and that was exhausting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's 100 degrees out. Your bike is 400 degrees or 300, whatever it is. Um, and you're also, you're trying to go around the track at the limits of physics. Yeah, and you're in leathers too. That's and you're in full leathers. Helps. You know, it's, the black top is 140 degrees sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was, it was just, at the end of it, I was laying down on the cement, just like, I just give me a minute, pour water on me, you know? Yeah. Um, and by doing that, I think it actually helped me learn how to ride better because, you know, the first race, you, you're fresh, you got all the energy in the world. By race six, you can't be hanging onto the bike and fighting the bars anymore. So mm -hmm. you learn how to just lean off the bike and not really use your upper body as much, which in road racing was more beneficial for me. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what the flat track physical feeling is, but I would admit, I would have to guess that that's very physical too. Cause you're fighting it just coming around on you every single corner. Every time. Oh, it is. Yeah. Like we went to, we went to Charlotte motor speedway this year, the dirt track there. And that was like a super banked uh, half mile. And I remember after the race, like my, my, like my, my left leg, like up, like by my groin hurt so bad just from being so hunched over with my leg. Like, yeah. you know, it wasn't even like a, you know, like I was using it so much, but just having to, at the angle we were, cause we, you know, we were, that was like the most leaned over we ever were. And just having to hold my leg up for that amount of time. Like it was just tiring. <laughs> and like, bad. and like, there's no way to train for that. You know, like, right. I, I don't even know what kind of workout or exercise you could do to hold your leg in that awkward position, but it was just, uh, just little stuff like that that I think that, uh, that gets you sometimes. Oh yeah. I still wear, when I go on my mountain bike, I always wear my full face. So that way, when I get back into road racing, at least my neck will be a little stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> and, uh, someone called me a, uh, what do you say? Called me a squid. I had a squid lid on cause I took off the visor. Oh yeah. I had a squid lid with the goggles and no visor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't need the visor. I'm not, protecting roost going up i don't it's just slowing it's just a fin slowing me down yeah exactly i took it That's off <laughs> hmm. but uh is there anything you would like to talk about today 
Uh, no, not really. I mean, I just talked about racing. That's that's what I like. So yeah, I uh, like I said, I was it was pretty hectic. I'm sorry I started a few minutes late today, but I I tried um, tried to start on time, but I just didn't have any time to print out any notes today. So I'm going off the dome, so to speak. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, it's uh, the season's over for you, but you're thinking about next year already. Yeah, and you know, like, like you know, they call it silly season. There's all these rumors and there's all these, uh, you know, all this big talk of what's going to happen next year, what the schedule is, you know, who's riding for what team and everything. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And I mean, I'm just kind of, you know, it was kind of nice just to take a week off and just not think about it. But yeah, now it's finally starting to set in kind of, you know, maybe I should start making some phone calls or getting this to or in order and everything. So yeah. And, uh, you know, it's nice, like all like the, like the little sponsors and everything. Like I have a really good like relationship with like, you know, like bell helmets and stuff. And like, I'll even like a lot of like my parts people where it's not like I got to, you know, you know, make a big resume and send them a big proposal and do all that. It's just, I can just kind of come, you know, call my guy, you know, talk to him for a little bit and, you know, like we're all good for next year. So, yeah. you know, that, that kind of stuff's cool, but it's just the, uh, you know, like the, the big rumors of like, oh, like this spot's opening up on this team or whatever and stuff like yeah. that. So that's just kind of something to think about. But, you know, it's, it's not even November yet. So I'm not, I'm not too stressed out about it, but it, uh, it's definitely something on my mind. And, you know, worst case, I, you know, I own both my bikes that I have right now. So I could, uh, next year I could always throw them in the van and go racing if I had to. So, yeah. And, uh, excuse my ignorance, but does AFP yeah. offer, um, or allow a B bike? Do you can you have a B bike being uh, fully built? Yeah, so you can tech like in the beginning of the day, you can tech two motorcycles that you can use at any point during the day. Okay. So, like you know, if I go out and qualifying and blowing up, pretty much I could I could ride the other one in like the heat race for the main event. Yeah. So and like it used to be is like where if I was out in like the main event, let's just say, and I I crashed and like destroyed it, I could get on another bike for the restart. But oh, now, really? yeah, but now like with some rule changes and stuff, they, uh, they, you know, they, they kind of cut that out for our class, at least the, the yes. super twins, they can still have the backup bike, but I think that's more of like a fan for the shows kind of, or <laughs> a show for the fans, you know, to like, you know, build drama or something. Well, but, it's pit uh, lane, you know, they can go through the pit lane and see all the bikes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like, like that. So back when we could use the two bikes, like I remember we were at Daytona one year on the 450 and uh, Daytona is this little, small, slick, short track. And uh, in the main event, we went in the first corner and I, I wadded it up and I, I ripped the exhaust off it or something. So then uh, my, my, my mechanic and my buddy, they, you know, they ran, got the backup bike, brought it out to me. And this is back when it was a, it was a carbureted bike. It was a, an 08 Honda 450. Yeah. And uh, I go do the start and I go to the first corner and then like the thing quit on me. And uh, I reached down and they, they never turned the gas on, you know, the, the petcock. So, I mean, right yeah. in the main event, everyone rides by me and I'm in last. And I reached down, turned the petcock on, bumped it back off, and it took off. So, it, well, uh, you had the presence of mind to, to think about that during a main event while you're racing, yeah. you know. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, too, because, like, <laughs> back when I rode that bike, it was always, like, I was, like, like you know, weird about it. I, was, I would always check to make sure the gas was on. So yes. maybe that, maybe that was it. But no, I mean, now uh, there's no backup bike. Like if, if the bike breaks during, during the main event, let's just say, and like, if they do red flag it, you'll, they give you some time to work on it and switch parts and stuff. But uh, if anything, if it blows up or like anything catastrophic, you're, you're pretty much done. So, yeah. so yeah, it, uh, that, that's kind of a bummer. So and do you have uh, an engine allocation for the season? 
No, I mean, you can do pretty much whatever you want. I mean, you could, you know, you can put a new motor in it every time if you yeah. want it. So Which you don't sounds nice, but expensive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it might give you a little bit more reliability, but is that worth another X thousands of dollars, you know, every single race? It, it depends on what, how, how bad you want that championship, right? And mm -hmm. how much reliability issues you're having. Yeah, and I mean, we all, you know, everyone with all the different bikes and everything, like, we pretty much know how long they'll go, you know, like, reliably without blowing up. Yeah, so, like, I have, I have two bikes, and I have three motors. So, at, you know, at halfway through the year, I'll rotate in the motor, pretty much. Then okay. we'll freshen the other one up. And so, it's, uh, we never try to push them too long to the point where they're, they're like, on the edge of destruction or anything. Yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, the, there's no, like, you know, like, parts limit or, like, sealed engines or anything like that. You know, we're, we're pretty free with all that stuff. Yeah. It sounds like AFT does a pretty good job with their fans and promotion. And, um, I mean, I'm just getting into my, myself, but uh, it seems like a pretty good, pretty good show, pretty good entertainment to me. Yeah, they've really bumped it up. So, like, we used to be, like, AMA Pro Flat Track. That was back yeah. in, like, 15, 16. And yeah. then AFT took over, like, like I think 2017-ish. And okay. AFT, they're like, you know, they're basically Daytona Motorsports Group, from what I understand. And they have this big vision of, like, they want us to be, like, big time. They want us to be, like, NASCAR, like, MotoGP and, you know, F1. Yeah. They want us to be, like, a big motorsports thing in America. Yeah. So they've kind of had this new vision, and they do a lot of – they did a lot of weird rule changes and a lot of weird things that a lot of people hate, some people like. Um, they really cleaned up the paddock, honestly. Like, like we look like like legit now. Like, you know, oh, yeah. there's there's semis and toter homes, and we're like we're big deal now. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's cool. Like, there is like a lot of some money coming into the sport and everything. Um, like just this year, they started the the Super Twins, which it yeah. used to be like just called like the the Pro Twins, but now it's basically it, it kind of sucks. It's a buy-in. You have to buy in, and there's only a certain amount of teams and a certain amount of riders. And it's like, uh, it's like F1. It's like, you know, there's only this many teams, this many riders, and it's the yeah. same riders in every main event. Like there is no qualifying for a main event. Okay. It's just, uh, yeah, like, like you're basically like you're pre-gridded kind of. Right. So, which that kind of sucks because, you know, like it used to be like a few years ago, there could be a dude in, let's just say, Ohio, who was really fast at one track in Ohio, and he could train all year, you know, be really good, and then show up to that race and go top five it, you know? Right. Uh, we're now, like, there is no more just showing up. You've got to be one of the guys to do it. Yeah. So, so that sucks, but it's, it is cool for the sport. And I think it does, it did help us grow a little bit. So we'll see what happens next year though. I mean, this year, this year was terrible with the, the, the delayed schedule and like the no fans and everything. Um, so yeah, I'm really not sure what direction they're going to go next year, but uh, I'm sure they're, they're in the works right now, figuring that out, hopefully. Yeah, I'm just happy that motorsports is still alive and kicking after the Rona and all the shutdown stuff with, I mean, you got to imagine, I didn't hear a ton of it. There's some in like March, April that I heard about, but sponsorship pulling out. There was like mm -hmm. a car pulled out of Canadian Superbike. There's a few here and there, but nothing major, really. I was actually surprised. I mean, they want to keep their marketing budgets. They want to keep their presence out there, but if there's no sales coming in, it's hard for some of those companies to say, yeah, we'll give you 10 grand to go race a motorcycle, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like what sucked for us too is that they mean, so they made everything a double header. So instead of having like 18 different rounds in different places, we had nine weekends with two races a weekend. Wow. So yeah. And so then, but then when they did that, they, they cut our purse a little bit too. And they said, Oh, well, you know, you're not spending the gas money driving to different places. So, you know, it's all going to work out. Yeah. Right. Which I know, which, you know, yeah, well, you know, we're not driving, but, you know, we're getting double the hotels, we're using double the tires, double the fuel, we're putting wear on the yeah. bikes, 
and then it was back-to-back -back weekends too which was which sucked <laughs> yeah you got but, no uh, time to tear down the bikes and put everything back together if you had an issue or even just for maintenance you know some guys for road racing will tear down an entire motorcycle and fix you know all new seals and bearings and whatnot mm -hmm. yeah i watch uh i watch like kyle wyman's team i, I keep up with him a little bit yeah. it's like they like they, they change a the motor like every once a weekend almost you know <laughs> a road race bike that's no easy feat like the motor yeah. is the, the chassis pretty much in that thing so that's the big part yeah and uh you know i i loved seeing the i think it was called the super prestigio is that yep. heard over yep. then in, in europe with marquez and alessia spargo and all those guys and um do you, do you see yourself ever competing at a in a race like that yeah i mean it'd be cool if they had it you know it uh I think back then, like, they, I know they took Brad Baker, who he was, like, the national champion, and Jared Mees yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But uh, it was cool to see those guys go over and, you know, race race Mark and everything. But it was uh, it was weird because it was, like, a weird, you know, like, they weren't riding, like, flat track bikes with flat track tires. They were riding, yeah, they were riding 450s that were lowered down, but they had these weird, like, 16 or 17-inch, like, supermoto slicks on them. And it was just yeah. a whole different, like, you know, track set up and configuration <laughs> yeah. and everything. So, it, it kind of like leveled the playing field for uh for a lot of people so but yeah that was definitely cool to see i'd like to see it on you know on our like aft spec tire and everything though that'd be uh that'd be a fun race to watch yeah we should uh we should invite all the europeans over here into our soil and yeah. run for their money they did it one year we had this like the last race of the year it was in uh it was in it was an indoor in vegas it was in like the the arena of like a, a casino in vegas and they did like a little super prestigio. I, I don't really, really remember who all came over, but I know like a lot of the road racers ran it, like the the American guys, like Gagne and a few others. I think Tony Elias maybe did it. Um, so that was kind of cool. But uh, but I mean that that was just a terrible racetrack though for the most part. You know to have a race like that though. Yeah. So are, are there any tracks on the out there in the U.S. that you would like to see them go to that they're not going to? Uh, like the the AFT series, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this year we had that super condensed schedule and we went to a few new places. Um, but really, though, I'd like to see, like right now, like all the racetracks you go to, for the most part, the half miles, they're all, you know, like car, sprint car tracks, you know. It'd yeah. be really cool to go see like the like the fairgrounds, like the deep cushion, like the like Lima, Ohio. That's like the one that's that we didn't get to go to this year. But normally that's like V1 every year. And it's deep and dirty and nasty and it's it's rough. You know, like we put like... 20 something tear offs on before the mat the main event and you know, <laughs> yeah. by by five to go we're usually wiping the shield because we pulled them all you know oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's just uh it, it it destroys the bikes it destroys the helmets it's really rough on equipment but i think it'd be cool to go to some of the the cool old fairground tracks like that and go see it yeah. and then like this year we're like i i really excelled was on the uh, on the miles like uh i won indy mile which was cool and then uh we only had two two miles we had indy and springfield so it'd be cool to like uh, DeCoin, Illinois. There's a huge sweet mile there. Um, we usually go to Lexington, Kentucky. That's like, yeah, you know, that's like big, like ritzy horse country, you know? <laughs> sure. So they, uh, but yeah, but I mean, the track's awesome down there. And then uh, um, Oklahoma City, Remington Park, that's another big fancy horse track. And like those places are cool too, because they're, they're big, like gambling casino horse race places. Yeah, like a know? big, a big, not a national, but maybe, but a big facility like that to host, host all those fans too. Oh yeah. And like, like the grandstands are sweet. They're all like glassed in, like there's people yeah. serving drinks and stuff. It's cool to go to one of those places just for the, the facility even. 
Um, so I think that'd be cool to go to some of the more of the bigger horse racing venues. I know some people hate that because, you know, it, it does, it just destroys stuff, which, which does suck. And it, it's really hard on everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then I think it's cool too. Like the, uh, like the big world of outlaw tracks, um, like Charlotte, for example, like we were there the same weekend that they were racing at the like Xfinity and NASCAR was at the Roval. Yeah. Doing their race. Cool. Yeah. So like, like, you know, we could hear them qualifying all day cause we, you know, we're just outside. Yeah. Uh, it's like Texas Motor Speedway. They got the same setup. They got the dirt track right outside the NASCAR track. So, you know, it'd be cool to go to like a lot of the, you know, like the same time, like a NASCAR thing events run in. I was run us on like a Friday or something and try to draw some fans in. That's uh, like I seen Bristol next year. They're going to cover Bristol and dirt and run NASCAR on it. I mean, they should, you know, run us a day or two before. That'd be they the, should uh, run you as a support series for NASCAR. Yeah. Yeah. All the places that have a dirt track, that'd be perfect. You know, and, uh, That'd be awesome. You know, you, just like they do, they'll do sometimes MotoGP with one, one uh, class of Moto America. Yeah. To do NASCAR yeah. with, with the same thing for AFT. Yeah. Or even like World of Outlaws too, you know, like Eldora. Eldora would be a sweet track to go to. Yeah. Um, but and I'm sure there is some issues with like track prep and stuff like that, but it'd be, uh, I'm sure they could, you know, they could figure something out and work us in. You know, I never, I never thought that uh, you guys would race on horse tracks. I never made that connection, but it, it makes sense. I would somehow think that that's not safe for the horses, but it's not as time, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and like the horse tracks, you know, a lot of them they're they're the old, uh, you know, like county fairgrounds or state fairgrounds or something. So, uh, and yeah, like the tracks, they're a lot like like up in Michigan. We really don't have the limestone, but they're like kind of like a sandy, loamy, like. Like it's dirt, you know, like the tracks dug up. Then you, you go down south a little bit or like the uh, the Midwest, like Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, they got, it's uh, it's like, it's honestly like little, you know, chunks of limestone, like little okay. crushed limestone. And it, uh, you know, like the roost is just terrible. Like it, it eats the paints right off the helmet. Like I, yeah. and it's, when it's wet, it's like getting sprayed by like wet concrete almost. It just sticks. And you have no shield, no visor. You can tuck behind. You just got the no. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're out there pretty much, and uh, but yeah, it's like getting hit with like wet concrete almost. It just splats you, yeah. and it. Uh, but yeah, like it'll eat the the you know the the paint right off a gas tank sometimes, and it's uh it's rough. But and like the tracks, they get you know deep and rough and rutted and everything, and it kind of really brings out you know the the rider side of it. Yeah. Um, it's cool though. It's uh you know it's definitely probably one of the funnest races to watch, but probably the uh, the least fun to be out there doing for some guys. And everybody's got the same, you know, same track to deal with. So although it may be bad, I don't know about bad conditions is the right word, but just um, loose anyways. And mm -hmm. it's up. Um, you just got to be out front, you know, then you don't get, get hit with it. Yeah, exactly. And it, it does kind of make for some better racing sometimes because there is dudes that, you know, they'll run right up on the top, like right up against like the air fence and everything. And then, uh, so you go have a line coming in up there, then you'll have guys right down on on the bottom, like in the grass, just trying to chase, like, you know, if there's a little bit of rubber down there or something laid down. So right. it does make for awesome racing too. Yeah. But, uh, and that's kind of, you know, to me, that's like grassroots dirt track. Um, that's a lot of people came up on those, those little fair tracks and everything. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where it all started for a lot of people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those, uh, those, those grassroots is where, it's where it began. Mm -hmm. And like the whole thing with that too, is like, there's dudes who like, they can only ride a cushion, you know? Yeah. And then there's guys who like, you know, you put them on like a clay half mile and they're, they're out of their element. But then nowadays, you know, there's so many clay half miles. A lot of guys are styled right in on those. So like yeah. when we go to a, when we go to like the cushion, it's kind of like a one-off, like, you know, you really don't know what's going to happen for the most part. 
Yeah, it so. changes things up. Different people shine, different people do worse. It's, yeah. it's cool to see. And yeah. uh, you just got to be adaptable. You got to be um, changeable. You got to be willing to change your riding style to whatever the course conditions are. Mm -hmm. And even a bike setup too. That's a huge thing compared to like the, like the clay tracks. When you go to a loose track like that, you know, you got to, you know, you flip the bike right around pretty much. It's just between like, you know, swing arm angle, wheelbase, air pressure, um, oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff makes a huge difference when you go there. So. Now, if I was an organizer, I would want to see a, uh, a right hand turn track. Yeah. A TT track. So it would be like, uh, you could even go to the same track. It just, opposite direction today you know yeah i don't know we've never did that before just you know flip the track around well why not you know yeah i mean i, I guess you could yeah it'd be, uh, it'd be i was thinking maybe the the rear brakes in the wrong spot going right but i mean you could figure it out <laughs> yeah well you know what's funny too so like when we do like like even like out on the ice like in the winter time we ice ride a lot like when we turn right on the ice like you really don't even touch the rear brake you know you pull the front brake and you slide the thing in but like i could never do that going left yeah. you know like it's weird how like we just we like adapt or like we, we figure that out somehow but yeah you know it seems like anytime we turn left you know we put our foot out and we throw the thing right down and we drag <laughs> the rear brake but like when we turn right you know both feet are up on the pegs we're on the front brake it's it's just different and i don't know what it is like why i could never do the same thing between going right and going left but it yeah. uh, it just is it's just so. uh, i think a habit you know i i snowboarded for a long time um got many black patches both uh regular and switch Mm -hmm. I went through the courses a couple of times switch and it really taught me um, how to ride, how to relearn how to ride. Um, and it, it made me realize that I have to rotate my shoulders almost 90 degrees to feel comfortable. And I mm -hmm. wasn't doing that for a long time switch. I'm like, let me learn, relearn how to do this. And uh, sometimes relearning a different way helps you learn the fundamentals. So maybe it could help you uh, realize what you're doing when you're going left. Yeah, exactly. For sure. I guess another thing too is like on the dirt, we don't have a, we wear a steel shoe around the, the left boot. I mean, I'm sure, okay. have you seen those or seen yeah, one or yeah. anything? Yep. Yeah. So we have like a steel shoe that wraps around our boot. So it makes the, the leg, it's a lot easier to slide across the dirt. So yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that's a big reason too, why we don't stick <laughs> that right leg out there and get yeah. it caught in a rut or something. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just interesting all the different techniques and things like that. I, I love, I'm just a fan of it, man. Mm-hmm. Have you seen much uh, ice racing or riding or anything? Or? I've, you know, I'm, I'm in Michigan as well, but I've never done it myself. Mm -hmm. Seen some videos of it of friends of mine. They they put those uh, the nails or studs in the tires and just go ripping. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, the guy I know, uh, Jason Farrell, actually I think has maybe the Guinness World Record for the fastest wheelie on ice. Okay. Over in Wisconsin. Okay, that's cool. But yeah, I've I've never never been on the ice myself to race but it sounds like a blast yeah and that's a whole nother you know a whole nother can of worms almost but it's like the uh like to us ice is like the great equalizer because like you know to uh, to me at least from coming from the dirt ice is like unlimited you're hooked up traction you know <laughs> yeah. not as much as like a road race bike around the asphalt but when you're out on the ice it's it's consistent for the most part and it's you know you're hooked right up so like it's cool because like a lot of like the moto guys or like the road race guys they can come over and like they ride with the flat trackers and like everyone's for the most part on equal territory yeah and uh it's cool like you know now especially in the past like probably six seven years we, we only ride like we call them gp or like road race course out on the lake like, yeah you know we really don't go out and just ride an oval like they used to 
So uh, it's cool though, you know, you can get people from a lot of di different disciplines, different riding styles out there riding with each other and it's, uh, it's cool. Another thing that's funny too is like in Wisconsin, like they do it totally different than we do it over here. Like we yeah. use these big, and I guess a lot of it's just like, like, you know, who's building the tires and how they're building them. But over here, you know, we run, uh, we run, we call them Canadian screws. They're just like a little bit taller of a screw and like, you know, they, they're arranged in the tire a little bit differently and you can ride through like, if there's like a half inch of snow on the on the ice, you can ride through the snow pretty much and just cut a track in and, and okay. it works. Yeah. And, it, and you're still like, you're hooked right up. Like it's like, it's awkward feeling the first time you do it. Like <laughs> I bet. The, first, the first ride of the year, you're like, you're hesitant almost. Yeah. But, um, and then like in Wisconsin, they use like what we call like the AMA screws. It's shorter. And, uh, and yeah, and those dudes ride over there. And that's, I guess it's just kind of like the, uh, you know, how your group is, I guess. Yeah. And, um, you know, you might have to plow the track a little bit different or a little bit more, but, um, and I guess that's another thing. So when it does snow, like they, they take quads or trucks out and they, you got to plow the ice off and, uh, even like, like perfectly like no snow glare ice reacts different than ice with snow on it. Sure, so yeah. that's another, yeah, that's kind of like another variable too to deal with, but it, uh, it's a good time all around and it, uh, it's really a fun thing to do in the winter if you're not, you know, going south and riding down there. And fairly cheap, you know, as long as you don't uh, fall through the ice, I'm sure. Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's another story I can get into. But, uh, no, I mean, ice riding is actually, it, it's got kind of super expensive. Like, tires are like a grand almost. Like, to get oh, yeah. like, to get the best set of tires, and there's only a few guys building them. And, you know, ice riding, it's all about the tires for the most part. So, yeah, tires are super expensive, though. And, I mean, they honestly, like, they, they wear out over time. Like, the screws kind of get, like, a little bit dull. Loose. Yeah, they get dull and they, like they kind of they get like kind of wallered out in the lug and they start to pull out of the lug. Yeah. Um. So that sucks. But yeah, like there's people like people get really serious into ice riding. You know, then then you go into like the whole like the heated handlebar thing and the 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 endurance racing is a big thing in the, in Wisconsin. They do like a three hour endurance ice race. Man. Yeah. Oh, and and it's always like you know like in the negatives the day they do that. You better be dressed right for that. Yeah, but yeah, they got like the whole like the the quick fill gas tanks and everything, and they're oh, wow. they're really yeah they're really serious about it over there. That's pretty so, cool though. Uh, yeah, really cool for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure they get into the climb gear, KLIM with all the heated gear oh, that they have. Yeah, like the snowmobile gear and everything. Yep. You know that yeah. stuff always reminds me. I got nothing bad to say about that company, but it reminds me of the Final Destination where the stuff like would catch on fire or something. Yeah. Get out of it. Yeah. But uh, I've never used it myself, but it looks. Yeah. Cool. But no, the whole going through the ice too. So actually, Rob, who you work with, I was young. I was like, I don't know, maybe like 13, 14. We were like out in like the middle of the lake pretty much. And I, I ran out of gas. And Rob, and it, and it was one of those days where it was like, uh, it was like probably March. It was like 55 and sunny. But I mean, we, we were out in the lake, you know. And, uh, you know, they had drilled holes and it was like six inches of ice. And we, we were good to go. And I ran out of gas in the lake and I was pushing the bike back and Rob came up and he was going to give me a push, like, you know, put his foot on the exhaust and push. Yeah. And right when he got to me, it was like slow motion, like the ice, like <laughs> cracked, like right underneath us. And it was just, uh, the bikes were gone. Rob actually went into the water. We had to pull Rob out. <laughs> wow. But, uh, oh, it, it was terrible. We were like in shock afterwards, <laughs> you know, we're standing there in the middle of the lake yeah, and it's just gone. So then the, the next day we hired a, uh, like a scuba team. And they came in, they jumped in, went under the ice, and they hooked these big airbags to them and blew the airbags up, and then our bikes popped right up. But it wow. was, uh, yeah, and it, it was just kind of one of those freaky things, how it, how it all happened. But, well, that's an adventure for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's a, that's something I'll never forget. 
Yeah. Well, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Is six inches not enough for, isn't it supposed to be like 18 inches or something? No, six is more than that. You could drive oh. a car on six <laughs> inches. Like yeah. when we ride, you know, like there's always like a competition to see like, you know, who can be the first one on in the lake. And yeah. you know, if there's two and a half, three inches of good cold ice, you know, you can go ride on three inches. Right. So it's just, uh, but then, you know, that day we learned that when it's warm, ice starts to get soft and bendy and it doesn't. Really uh, quick. Oh yeah. Yeah. It doesn't do too good. <laughs> So, um, and uh, are those like sanctioned events, the the ice races, or are they just for fun, like with your buddies that you're doing? Yeah, there is some races. I mean, I I really don't do any of them. I guess. Yeah. There, you got to be like really into it to do ice ice races. It's just it's not my thing. But like yeah. every weekend though, I mean, you could you know there's there's a really good group of guys, all the you know fast guys that go out and ride together, and you know, you yeah. know somebody somebody brings a plow or two and you know they keep the track really nice and it's uh yeah but there'll be like 40 50 guys out in the lake just yeah. you know riding so and uh do you have to fill in that with fill that uh the track line would you have to fill that in with water every so often to refill that no not really i mean like so like with our canadian screws like they they dig the like the ice gets rough like really rough it gets yeah. like you know breaking bumps and rutted and nasty so, you know, like if the track starts to get bad, you just, you know, you move over 10 feet, like you're on a lake, you know, <laughs> yeah. so you, you can pretty much oh, cut in. Yeah, you can cut in whatever you want. So it's just, uh, if it starts to get, you know, a little rough or some slush starts to come up or something, you just move over 10 foot and cut a new corner in for the most part. So Perfect. Brand new track. Yeah, exactly. Very good. So, well, um, yeah, we're, we're coming up to about an hour. Um, so let's tell everybody where can they find you online? Where are you out there? So I'm biggest on Instagram. Um, I mean, fuck, I don't even know my Instagram hashtag. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> you can look it up. I'll wait. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's uh, it's Ben Lau 25. So that's my Instagram. That's kind of what I post on most. I'm usually just like you know race reports or just something, whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Um, ben Lau Racing on Facebook. That's another big, big thing. Uh, that's where I post a lot of my stuff too, like on the race weekends and everything. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, between those two, those are kind of my go-tos for sure. Very good. Um, are you on YouTube at all? Do you put out videos? No, I'm not in the big video game. I don't have a website or do any too much on the uh, video producing. But uh, okay. but yeah, I do love when people have like race vlogs and everything. It really kind of shows you like the behind the scenes or like kind of what what actually happens off the track. I do I, I, I do like watching a lot of people's stuff on that. So. Yeah, and you mentioned before that Kyle Wyman, he has a series out uh yeah. that's yep. awesome then he has uh gray fam who's also somebody i interviewed on this podcast you can check one out one of those episodes mm -hmm. uh, but he uh he's videographing his entire race weekend and it's like 15 20 minute really uh snappy short edits it, he does a fantastic job and um i would like to see someone do something like that for flat track to uh to come in there and see the behind the scenes and uh show everybody what it's all about it's cool to see oh yeah that. i think it'd be cool for sure to, especially at, like you know one of the guys like on like the higher level like in the aft stuff too to just yeah. kind of show everybody like how much goes into like even like bike setup like the changes you do coming in from the track and like looking at the data and everything that'd be uh i think that'd be really cool to see yeah and it's just the highs and lows it's like they call it a male drama you know it's like the um that's that's what i like to watch anyway so um do you have any parting words for the world what's your message to the world Oh, I don't know. Not really. I'm just, one, uh, right? I'm just trying to, you know, keep on keeping on just uh, putting my program together for next year and just uh, hopefully we can pull something awesome together just like we did this year. I got a guy, you know, uh, 
a guy named Jerry down in Texas. He's got a big roofing company called Roof Systems. And he kind of just, uh, he kind of came on the scene weird. He just like picked a few guys and gave them some money and helped them out. And then uh, now he's like, a, he's like the big, uh, one of the bigger teams in flat track. So he's, uh, he's behind me and he helps us out. And uh, yeah, you know, there's a few other guys he helps out with me and we're just kind of, you know, we're one big traveling, you know, road show. So it, uh, it all works out, you know, we all kind of run our own program and everything, but he, with, you know, at, uh, without Jerry though, I mean, we couldn't do it. So he, uh, he's a good guy. He like, he just likes coming to the races and hanging out and just uh, ask questions about the bikes and everything. So it's a, uh, it's a good time. Yeah. And um, are there any people in the, in AFT or in amateur ranks uh, for flat track that you have your eye on that you think, Hey, this guy is coming up. This guy's an up and comer that you kind of, uh, keeping tabs on? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like the, uh, like the, the singles class, the 450 class, there's a lot of young kids or, you know, even some older dudes there with a lot of talent and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, promise. I think that when they get on the big bikes, they're definitely gonna be something to worry about next year for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know about really any in particular. I don't know, like I said, you know, it's like the silly season. I don't know what everyone's plan is or who's gonna be riding what next year, but there's a, there's a ton of young guys coming up, especially in that 450 class. Like, like to me, I mean, it, it would suck to be the 16 year old kid just turned pro and have to go ride that class. It would be a- uh, So competitive. It is. And it's to the point too, where like with the whole, with the super twins turning into like the buy-in thing yeah, and the whole, uh, you know, only a limited amount of spots, it gets to the point where like, there's really, really good guys that don't have a ride. So, you know, the, the cheapest, you know, way to, for them to go try to make some money is to go ride the 450 class. Yeah. So there's dudes who, you know, who could go win the super twins class riding the 450s against the, the kids pretty much. And it, you know, it's just, it's brutal out there for sure. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, that's a really tough class. And, you know, anyone who's doing good in that, they could come out and, you know, win in any of the three classes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It shows, it shows that you have the tenacity and you can fight through a lot of stuff if you can win in that class. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, do you want to give a one last sponsor shout out to somebody? Yeah, really, you know, Jerry at Roof Systems, that dude, he, he kind of believed in us and I was pretty, you know, I was kind of a nobody when he picked me up and we, uh, he came on, we got a lot of podiums and a win. So that was awesome. And then just, uh, you know, my whole little support group at home, my girlfriend, my mom and dad, you know, Uncle Rob, you know, everyone's just uh, my brother, everyone kind of puts a little helping hand in and they, uh, they help get me to the races here and there every week. So oh, very good. It, uh, it's all, you know, I, I used to say like, it's, it's all the little people, you know, I really, yeah. I really never had the one big, you know, team or sponsor. Yeah. But uh, all my little people come together with, you know, between like parts or helmets or gear or anything, and it, uh, it all works out. So. Very good. Well, it's been great talking to you, Ben. I appreciate you spending an hour with me and uh, we'll send everybody to your channel so they can follow you as well. And uh, I'm going to edit this one probably in a week or two and get it posted and uh, I'll, I'll be sure to send it to you. Make sure that you tag everybody who we talked about if you they're on Instagram and all that and uh, yeah. we'll get it done. Cool. Hey, thanks very much. I uh, thanks, had a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming on again. Have a great day. All right. You too. See ya. All right. Bye guys.